Welcome to Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them, a show to help busy, mindful, and growth-oriented moms of girls stay informed and inspired, especially through their daughter's tween and teen years. I'm your host, Carmelita Too. If you like what you hear or you find something helpful in the podcast, please hit subscribe or follow, tell your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You may think subscribing and reviews don't really help, but they do help other listeners choose to listen to this particular show. Also, follow at NoBeRaiseThem on Instagram. You'll get reminders, quotes from wise women, giveaways, and more. And thank you in advance so much for your support. So when I was growing up, I, I didn't know a single gay person, or if I did, I didn't know it, or they hadn't come out yet if they were one of my peers. I grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I lived kind of a sheltered existence. But I also think it was the time. In the 80s, people weren't really talking about it as much as, as far as I knew. If I'm remembering correctly, I think I was in high school when I first met an openly gay couple, and they were visiting town from Chicago. Now, my daughter's lives look very different. One of my daughter's best friends in kindergarten started the year with a boy's name, but midway through, made it clear she identified as a girl and ended the year with a girl's name, pigtails and painted nails and all. My other daughter was, I think, in fourth or fifth grade when she came home with a sheet full of colorful flags she had drawn, including the gay pride flag, the pansexual flag, and the bisexual flag. And now there are LGBTQ characters on television often. It wasn't something I remember seeing ever as a kid, but my girls celebrate diverse representation, I'd say at least once a week on some show they're watching. So along with these changes have come new words and terms. I was lucky to learn some of them through diversity initiatives at work, but not everyone has that opportunity. And frankly, I could learn more. Every time I do an interview with a guest, I'm reminded of how much I didn't know I didn't know. So my guest today is Elaine Ferris. Social change has always been important to Elaine. She studied social policy as an undergrad, and during that time, she became involved with the LGBTQ plus community, eventually identifying within the community herself and exploring her own journey. While studying abroad in Amsterdam, she became acutely aware of the needs of the transgender community, especially the lack of support, particularly for those in physical transition. This inspired her to obtain her master's in social work, focusing on LGBTQ plus individuals, especially transgender persons. Today, Elaine is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, whose passion is working with individuals within the LGBTQ plus community and the neurodivergent community, which often overlap. She works under an intersectional, feminist, and anti-oppressive framework. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Elaine. I am eager to have you share your expertise on the LGBTQ community and your experiences to help us learn. Of course. Thanks for having me. So can you explain assigned sex, gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation and how those all interrelate and how they can show up? Yes. These are all very different terms that have their own unique meanings that can relate to each other. 
So I guess just going through each one, one by one, assigned sex at birth is relating to what society deems us to be at birth, usually based off of our bodies and, and genitalia. It's a pretty narrow understanding of sex because for example, it's very ignorant towards the existence of intersex people that mm. might not fall into a category. Um, and explain what intersex means, if you wouldn't so, mind. Yeah, intersex is when a person's genitalia, again, doesn't fit within the standards mm. of like, oh, this is you know a female body and this is a male body. There can be a, a lot of different, like, even within the category of intersex, it doesn't usually just mean one thing. Like... It can mean a lot of different things, whether it's how a person might look or, you know, chromosomally. Mm. And unfortunately, in the past, society and hospitals have been so adamant about putting people into a category Mm -hmm. that they have really encouraged or maybe not even told parents that it was a possibility not not to do surgery. Really? Uh, Yes. So they would say, you have to choose, do you want your baby to be a, a male or a female, and then we'll do surgery so that they fit into this category, even if it's completely unnecessary. And most of the time it is wow. unnecessary, actually. Wow. So that's how how much our society cares about gender norms and fitting wow. into that. And yeah. a lot of the times it's very traumatic because many intersex people might grow up later in life, not even knowing that they're intersex. Mm. And they mm. might start exploring their own gender and their own bodies and realizing that they themselves might identify as trans and, you know, they might have to get like corrective surgery or they might transition and maybe the surgery at birth made it a lot more difficult for them wow. uh, to transition or again, like the not understanding and, and not even really being informed about yourself and just the trauma that can cause is mm something that is I think, not talked about enough. And I think it's hopefully shifting more towards, you know, parents not necessarily being encouraged or forced to choose at birth, mm-hmm. but I, I, it definitely still happens. And there's still a huge lack of understanding mm-hmm. of what we don't fit, you know, within the categories that, that society deems to be mm-hmm. reasonable. But yeah, sex in general is still, is considered to be related to like what a person's body looks like. Mm-hmm. which is just very, very outdated or, or the chromosomes, which again, like even with intersex people in existence, like you would think that people would understand that that doesn't work for everybody mm-hmm. and it's not so cut and dry, but there are a lot of people out there who have very internalized uh, these gender norms. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then gender identity is how a person sees themselves. Okay. Yeah, okay. Exactly. It's how they, identify their gender and so that can I wanted to say like correlate or not correlate with gender expression I struggle to use that word because what is the correlation right somebody decided in our society that girls wear dresses mm-hmm. so you would think like oh well a girl correlates with the dress pink mm-hmm. with girls you know all these gender norms are just literally made up so right. <laughs> gender expression though is, is how a person I expresses their gender and this is often through clothes and presentation and and some of it might fall within what is societal norms like a person who might identify as a trans girl or trans woman might want to wear dresses or be seen as more feminine but it is interesting to consider how much of this is societal standards and how much of it is the gender identity and expression that you're wanting to portray it's uh, kind of complicated because from the moment we're born we're 
internalizing these ideas of feminism and masculinity and what that means to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sexual orientation, I think, is actually the most unrelated to the other terms Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have anything to do with sex or gender at all. It's Uh who you're attracted to. Even beyond sexual orientation, there are different categories of attraction within that. So there's emotional attraction, physical attraction, Mm -hmm. sexual attraction, and romantic attraction. And all of that can be very different. You know, there's people who are aromantic, who are asexual. There's a lot of different terms out there. You know, some people really like the labels. Some people don't like the labels. It's whatever works for a person. For example, there are some people who really might be able to feel sexual attraction, but not romantic attraction or, you know, vice versa, maybe really can feel the romantic attraction towards a person, an emotional connection, but Mm. maybe they're just not sexually attracted to individuals. And so there's a lot of nuance within that as well. Yeah. I love that you sort of nonchalantly said that sexual orientation is a separate thing from from the gender discussion, because I think people assume you're born with male body parts, then you're a man and you should be attracted to women, you know? So I I appreciate and I'm grateful for that mindset of These are distinct things. You know, I do understand that it can be a little bit confusing for people who might have like idea about any of this stuff. You know, when you hear, oh, LGBTQ, like, you know, I think that, of course, there's a lot of discourse in regards to grouping everybody together because there are differences in these experiences, particularly with the trans community. In the past, unfortunately, there's been a lot of discrimination, and currently too, there's been a lot of discrimination towards the trans community, even within the queer community as a whole. So like LGB uh, individuals or, you know, just beyond in regards to sexual orientation or attraction have been very discriminatory towards transgender individuals. So I think it just goes to show that they are very different topics. Mm -hmm. These communities do experience different types of discrimination. We know that trans individuals, especially trans women, especially black and brown trans women have a lot of, you know, safety issues that they have to deal with that, Mm -hmm. for example, white gay men do not have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not just these terms that are very different. It's these people's experiences that are very different as well that we have to take into account. Right. And the goal ultimately is, in my mind, acceptance of whoever, regardless of what you may have been born with, whatever you identify with, and however you choose to express yourself, and however and whoever you choose to love mm-hmm. is okay. I think ce- celebration is, is mm. ideal. You know, I think acceptance is, oh, okay, I'll, I guess I'll accept that. Like, mm. you know, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. It's like this undercurrent of like, I'll accept that. Um, right. Versus like, I think celebration and validation <sighs> can, can kind of give a different feel towards that. <laughs> that. Absolutely. No, that's a very good point. And it reminds me a little bit, and I don't mean to conflate two very different issues, but the sense of activism around the Black Lives Matter movement and being anti-racist mm-hmm. and how it's not enough to say you're not racist or mm-hmm. to operate or function in your own tiny little world as someone that thinks you're not racist. You have to do more. You have to proactively do something to help dismantle our systemically racist structures. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what struck me about your use of the word celebrate, like mm-hmm. do more than just accept 
or tolerate, right? So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And, you know, if you're just kind of going along with the norm, then unfortunately you're contributing to oppressive structures that have been in place for so long. Because if we don't do anything, then they're just going to be there forever. You got to very purposefully, you know, challenge that and go against it in order to create change. And one small thing, maybe it's not so small, but one thing that felt kind of easy, I think, for some people to start doing is in their email signatures or on their Zoom cameras, adding pronouns. Yeah. What do you think the importance of using pronouns is? And if there's anyone who's skeptical about how or why it's important, what would you like to tell them? It's incredibly important if if a person cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say that because there are some people out there who might not feel like their pronouns are that important. I've worked with clients before who have said, oh yeah, like it's not as big of a deal to me. And it's always important to recognize that there are those experiences as well. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there are also people who are very, very adamant about pronouns and, and it can really affect their mental health when you use them correctly or incorrectly Hmm. most of the time if you're using them incorrectly of course that really can cause distress but i actually just looked up some statistics that are recent from the trevor project because i think that Hmm. these statistics can kind of emphasize why support is so important Hmm. so a 2022 national survey on lgbtq youth mental health found that 45 percent of lgbtq youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth. So when you look at those numbers, it is literally life or death for mm. a lot of these individuals, especially young people, because you know young people are, are in the most vulnerable positions. And parental support is one of the biggest factors in helping prevent suicide and helping to stabilize mental health. Mm. And it's a pronoun. Like, is it really that big of a deal for you to, you know, try to change maybe the name, try to do your best, you know? And the thing is, I think it's important to be realistic and it's understandable that it takes time to like change your language. You might make some mistakes, but I've talked to so many people before who say that it is very easy to tell when you're actually trying. So most trans people can tell when you're putting in an effort to making that change. Even if you stumble, you know, even if you're like, oh, like, sorry, you know, use the wrong pronoun there, correct yourself and move on. Don't make it a big deal. I would say too, that that's another thing that we tend to talk about a lot. It's uh, kind of overwhelming when, you know, you profusely apologize, Mm. you know, the trans person feels like they have to make you feel better. Mm. (laughs) They're just like, okay, like, can you just apologize and fix it and then move on and do better in the future? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's not about you. It's, it's about this person who's going through a lot and just looking for support. Those are super helpful tips because I'm sure there are people who are reluctant or worried they're going to mess up. And Mm -hmm. so talking through, like, don't make it a big deal, just (laughs) fix it and move forward. You know, that's helpful to know. Like there's no scripted apology that you have to have memorized in your back pocket if you mess up. And like you said, I think in so many situations, and I feel this way generally about parenting, but it's the effort you're putting in that can carry so much weight, like mess up or not. If you're trying, that goes so far. And practice too. Mm -hmm. Practice 
saying their new name in a, in a sentence, practice their new pronoun and, you know, use it around other people too. Cause I think that, you know, pe people notice like, you know, okay, maybe you only try when you're like with me, but then when you're talking to a family member or you're talking to somebody else, then you go back and you revert. And it's a different story if this person isn't out yet and maybe switching is necessary in order to respect that that person hasn't come out yet. But if a person is wanting you to use those pronouns permanently, then use them in any context. Because mm. again, that can really, really affect a person's mental health. And it's just one small way of showing support. I would say bare minimum. You know, it feels like over the last 10, 20 years, you know, there's been a collective increase in awareness around transgender issues and LGBTQ issues. So. I think a question that comes up is, is this us noticing it more and being more aware of it? Or are kids, are young people experimenting more or becoming quote unquote confused, which kind of ties into the don't say gay legislation in Florida. So in your opinion, I guess, does our talking about it more, what impact do you really think it has on young people? And, you know, because there must be a range of normal for this in, in quote unquote normal. I don't think that kids are thinking that looks fun and I'm going <laughs> to do this. You know what I mean? Especially when there are social implications yeah. to their decisions. And so, yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on all this. Yes. I mean, I think it's all normal to explore and it's not that it wasn't happening decades or even centuries ago. It's yeah. just that it wasn't talked about or people didn't have the language. And nowadays Maybe shamed and repressed, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and so nowadays, although the internet can be a very toxic place, I think that there's a lot of benefits in finding language, realizing that you're not alone, finding support. A lot of people within the community, you know, their initial support or even just general support is online and yeah. So that makes all the difference. And yeah, I think it's so normal for young people to explore their identities and even beyond gender, right? And so, like, we know that it's pretty normal for a child to just like be figuring themselves out. And so this is bound to come up regardless of whether or not you're talking about it. The only difference is if you're not talking about it, what that is showing them is that there's something to be ashamed about. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong here which can negatively affect their mental health. So talking about these topics and normalizing it doesn't mean that you're encouraging it. It just means that you're informing them and then they can kind of explore on their own. And a lot of the times they, they might just be exploring like very, very young children, especially that is super normal. You know, there are some kids who are like five, six, who might explore gender expressions or gender identity. And I don't know, a little girl, for example, like chop off all her hair and be a tomboy. I would say as a child gets a little bit older, you know, maybe into their teens, if they're still exploring, then it might be more of a certainty. It depends on how, how they're going about it and how it is for them. Like the more adamant a child is, I would say, the more potential likelihood that this is a real thing for them that will last beyond childhood. And I heard you encourage like a, an atmosphere of openness. I think what you said was, if you are not talking about certain things, then you're implying that this is not something that 
is okay to talk about. And so that can leave a sense of shame and insecurity yeah. around that particular topic. Mm-hmm. So things like support, openness, um, and meeting them where they're at, it also applies. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, I was just about to go there in, in saying that sometimes the parents might be over eager in supporting their child. Like it's maybe more rare than, than the other, but sometimes parents might be too gung ho and they're like, Oh my gosh, like, do you want me to like buy these clothes for you? Or do you want to do, do you want to go hormone? Do we need to do that? Do you want me to get you therapist? And um, I think when we say meet your child where they're at, it means both, right? The balance of like, yes, listen to where they're at, but also maybe don't push them in any mm. direction because especially with the discourse nowadays, a lot of people know more about the existence of LGBTQ identities and especially, you know, trans uh, children. And so they might think, oh, the moment a child starts questioning, that means that they're trans and that, you know, mm. you should just go all in and start buying them new clothes and, and all that stuff. And that is definitely not appropriate because it might not be where your kid's at yet and they'll get there eventually who knows but also maybe they'll totally pivot and go somewhere else so we want to actually listen to them in the moment of like okay like what's you know what's going on right now like what are you thinking and and what are they needing right in this moment that we know of for sure ah that's so good i think parents myself included or anyone we crave certainty right there's so much relief in knowing that something has been decided on and you can head in that direction so yeah i that's a very good point that wanting to be certain regardless of what that outcome is can also be very you know potentially limiting and daunting for a kid huh definitely and you know this is a process i think all of us are trying to figure out our ourselves and our identities throughout life to be honest working with individuals themselves who are transitioning there there is often this desire to be like okay i want to be at the end of my transition and i want to be done and obviously that's valid to be feeling that that way and a lot of it has to do with societal discrimination and oppression Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know when are you really done Mm. because it is just like a lifelong process of knowing yourself and growing and you know even at 30 years old you might think something about yourself and be quite certain then 10 years later, that might not be the case anymore. Is there a parting thought you'd like to leave on this topic with the listeners? I can understand why parents might want their kids to fit in and not be bullied and to not experience discrimination. Um, But again, it's about, I think, meeting your kid where they're at and maybe that's not what they're wanting. And so it's just not making assumptions and recognizing that your experience is different from your children's experience and it's okay that it's different. I'm so grateful for my time with Elaine. Here are my top takeaways from this episode. Number one, the reference to one's sex, assigned sex, biological sex, or sex assigned at birth means typically what society deems as male or female based on the biological characteristics a person is born with, like your genitalia. Gender identity stems from one's deeply held feelings about whether they are male, female, both, or neither, and this could be fluid. Gender expression is how someone expresses their gender, typically by their clothes, um, the hair, makeup, 
body language and voice. Um, also, a person's name and pronoun are common ways of expressing gender. And sexual orientation is, put simply, who someone is attracted to. Number two, according to the Trevor Project's 2022 National Survey on LGBTQ youth, 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth. This means that our ability to support kids and talk about issues can literally be a life-or-death situation, and parental support is a huge component in the success and health and well-being of young people. Number three, pronouns make space for transgender and gender non-binary people. Use of inaccurate pronouns can have a negative effect on mental health, so do try, and if you make a mistake, simply apologize and move on. Over-apologizing can place a burden on the transgender individual, uh, and then they feel like they have to take care of your feelings, which is something we're trying to avoid. Number four, remember that it's normal for kids to explore, whether it's their gender identity, gender expression, etc., Try to create a safe space and have open conversations with them about their feelings. Number five, if you're not talking about certain things, then you're implying that those topics are not okay to talk about, and that can lead to feelings of shame and disconnect. And number six, while support is a good thing, be mindful of your reactions and try not to show any biases that might pressure your kid one way or the other. Meet your child where they're at. If you'd like to connect with Elaine, check the show notes for her contact information. I know I say this at the end of every show, but I 100% sincerely mean it when I say, thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you. Knowing that someone's listening helps fuel my desire to make more of these episodes and hopefully provide content that's meaningful and important and engaging to you. Remember to subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a review. And here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, and may we raise them.